everyone. Thanks for joining. This is Seeking Sustainability Live. In this episode, we are talking about one of the most popular topics in the series, talking about remodeling, reusing, renovating, restoring old Japanese houses into comfortable modern homes that you want to live in. There are a lot of these akia, which means abandoned house, or minka, which is a more traditional style house in Japan, and you can get them at real bargain prices. Today in the episode, we're talking with Jeremy Phillips, originally from New Zealand, Auckland, and he is talking about his restoration and renovation and DIY project that he's doing in the Kanazawa area. He found a beautiful house, he got a great price for it, and he tells us some of the insights into his project and gives us a walking tour around his house. So join us. Today we have one of our very popular topics about Akia, abandoned homes in Japan and how to remodel and reform them to make them into beautiful homes. And we have Jeremy Phillips with us. Thank you so much for joining, Jeremy. Hello. Hello. So Thank Jeremy, you. you are a historian, are you? Yes, uh, I got a doctorate in Japanese history a few years back and now I uh, teach a few classes at the uh, local national university. And you're also a translator, is that right? Yes, uh, I do a lot of translation work. For the bulk, my bulk of my uh, work is actually that really, income-wise at least. Yeah, and uh, then also you're doing Histor Japanese history walking tours around Kanazawa, is that right? Yes, I was asked uh, a few years ago now. This actually started when I was working on a sort of blog with another professor at another university in the city about how to use historical resources for tourism purposes. And I sort of wrote up a blog of introducing some parts of Kanazawa. And I got an email from this, this American guy who set up a, a company for tours of the city and they like to give tours led by specialists like if you want if you're like if you're into architecture they have an architect show you around if you're into art they'll have an artist show you around and as a sort of sort of historian they thought i might be a nice person to show people around who want like a history-based uh, walking tour so i've been doing that for uh, a few years now well not actually this year or last year for obvious reasons but uh, I actually enjoy doing them because it's a it's a way to uh, when, when you're teaching history to, to or talking about history with Japanese people, they all, always have this knowledge of history that you you get just by osmosis, really, just by living in the country. But for you know for foreign visitors, Westerners and so on, they come in and they know nothing. So I get to talk about everything from the ground up. Yeah, that'd be really interesting. I I really like that approach using uh, content specific tour guides who have like a deep knowledge of different areas because especially areas like Kanazawa you must have so many interesting places because of history and the normal tourist coming inbound who can't read all of the Japanese it would be a high hurdle for them to understand a lot of this history I imagine. What, what I think is important with the way I approach it is you, your standard tour guide will take you to the castle, the park, and they'll say this was built in whatever year by whatever lord. And I think for most people, that goes in one unit, out the other. But what I try to provide is more background. Like if you go to the, the samurai district, why do these houses look like this? Why are they here? Why are they built like this? Why does the area, uh, why does this part of the city still have these houses and other parts don't? And what's the unique features of this sort of house compared to like a merchant house? So I try to provide that sort of a deeper uh, look into it. And also, of course, uh, because of the, the studies I've done, I can point out some aspects of uh, just walking around that other people might not even notice. Like this is where the old moat used to be sort of thing, you know. This is where the uh, old uh, downtown area used to be. This is where the uh, lords would travel out to Edward and back every uh, other year. 
So I can sort of provide that background uh, knowledge, which I think makes the experience a whole lot richer when you come and see it, rather than just, Lord, what's his name, build that, and so on and so forth. I think so. And there's so many similar types of looking things around Japan when people are visiting and travel around. Oh, there's a shrine. Oh, there's yeah. a temple. Like they all kind of look the same to yeah. visitors, yeah. right? But if you know the individual stories, like we also in the series, we talk to Matt Alt and Hiroko Yoda, and they write a series of books about yokai and folktales. And uh -huh. they often went to different shrines or studied Japanese history because it was connected to these folktales. And that just makes it so much more interesting when you're visiting different places, right? Yes, yes. When you, when you get that sort of extra layer of uh, knowledge down there. Yeah. So Definitely. when you're remodeling your house, did you notice a lot of things about historical building designs or the beautiful old beams with the odd shapes? We've talked about that with Japanese carpenters and Japanese architects. And that that's such a treat to find in your house, right? Oh, yes. I mean, one of my criteria for getting a... Uh... A farmhouse was it would have these lovely huge old beams. If I just tilt the screen up, you can see. I think can you see them? Yeah, uh, and I've got a photo here as well. I can show. Right. So yeah, I think the lights are a bit stronger. We'll take a closer look later on. Yeah, well, well uh, you're going to take us around the house on a little tour later on, right? Um, I'm showing the yeah. view from the outside. It yeah. looks like yeah. just a stunning location. Your house and surrounded by rice fields or agriculture. Uh, Was it wheat? And then you've got the mountains behind. Yeah, so one side we've got uh, wheat fields and they're a nice golden color now. And then there's rice. I'm looking directly out the front doors and I'm looking over rice paddies over the valley. And behind me, I've got... Uh, the uh, mountain hill, big ski area there too. So, I mean, I should bring my skis up again next <laughs> next winter. Are you a skier? Does it make you want to go out and hit the slopes all the time? Well, at the at university, I was in the ski circle. So, yes, I mean, I haven't been skiing for quite a few years now because um, so I haven't really got around to it. But I timed from my from the, in front of my house to the ski area is uh, four and a half minutes. So it would be a bit of a waste not to use it. Your your videos showing you doing all these DIY projects is really impressive. Um, you told me before we started that you've been learning a lot just watching YouTube and getting some advice from friends. Is that right? Yes, yes. I mean, I... I mean, I know my way around saws and hammers and stuff because I, you know, my father had tools and home and I would sometimes use those and he would sometimes do some work on the house and so on. But nothing on a large scale. But I mean, but, but I mean, I know, and of course, Western saws and Japanese saws are quite different with the Western saws you push with Japanese saws you pull. Ditto planes and push and pull, it's quite different. Yeah. But I mean, the basic concept is the same. And I, I saw that you were using like uh, more natural stains on the wood. Um, you're taking down some of the plaster. So are, is your concept to kind of restore a more traditional look inside? Yes, I, I, I want to take it as uh, close to what, it, well, not actually absolutely what it was back when it was first built because uh, there'll be... Uh, the, the main entrance hall would have been uh, earth or concrete. I don't quite want to go that far because otherwise I'd be taking my shoes off and putting them on all the time. But in terms of the styles of the main rooms, I do want to take them as far as possible back to what they were originally. In this room, it hasn't changed, but there are some other rooms where I mean, the people that lived here before, however many decades ago, just cover the walls up, put in false ceilings, that you would never guess what is behind them. And so I 
sort of poked a hole in the ceiling and took a look up with a torch and saw these wonderful beams. And I thought, okay, well, that's coming down. Yeah. It looks like the front hall picture that I'm showing right now has just gorgeous wood flooring and wood beams. And is it bamboo in the top as well? In the front yeah, which, hall area? Are you showing the room with the uh, white walls or with the dark brown or the brown walls? Uh, it has white plaster in between All right, the wood this, beams. This one here. Uh -huh. Yeah. This is this is what's called the uh, the oe, the the hiroma, the main room. Okay. And uh, it would originally have had bamboo up at the up at the top. It would have been a uh, bamboo laid across to let smoke and stuff out. But uh, one of the interesting things about this particular house is that back in I think '94, apparently according to the uh, relatives of the people of the family that used to live here, every time they got in a, a bride, every time a bride came into the family, they would fix up part of the house. And in 1994, they actually put, they turned the attic into a second living area, living floor. There's three big rooms up there. And so that means that the uh, the bamboo ceiling that would have been up there has been replaced with uh, boards and stuff. So it's essentially the same coloration as bamboo. It's, it's brown, so I'm not going to really do much about it. Yeah. No. And a really yeah. nice feature uh, is the irori, the in indoor yeah. cooking area, yes. right? Yes, the hearth in the middle of the room, which the is the hearth. Uh, yeah. I mean, about that, can you see the? Yeah, I can oh. see the the fish and the hanging. It looks really heavy. That what do you call it? The, the what you're holding. The, the whole the whole setup is is particularly in this part here is known as the jizaikagi, the adjustable hook. You can uh, make it higher or lower. Change, mm -hmm. yeah. Make the uh, pot higher or lower. Um, I haven't made actually. I have not actually touched this, or I haven't fiddled with this at all because it's very much a a later on thing. Yeah. I don't need to do anything about that at the moment. I, and you said that's why the ceiling is bamboo, so the smoke can go through. Is that right? So the smoke sort of trickle up through the uh, roof. Yes, a lot of ha traditional houses would have had bamboo ceilings like that just laid on. And mm -hmm. uh, when they've been up there for a few decades or so, they turn this lovely dark black color. <laughs> And, I, I've been but, in one, I think it was a guest house that had an irori, um, and when mm -hmm. they were using it, the whole room was so smoky, and I thought, oh, it's a beautiful concept, but if you don't have a chimney, so you, you haven't fired it up yet, so you don't know if it's going to work or not, right? <laughs> well, I'm going to use, when I do use it, I'm going to use charcoal, okay. not wood. Okay. Charcoal should, should theoretically not put out too much smoke. Yeah. And when I do use it, I'll, I'll have the, the doors and all that open. But I have been in our, our friend's house up in the North Peninsula, and they had an, they've got an erotic, and they had it on, and there was yeah, no smoke, no smoke to speak of. Yeah. So yeah, I I, I think it'll work. Good, good, good. I I also noticed you've got a really beautiful little. Is it a tea area? Uh, what do you call that? Is it a tokonoma? Uh, in one of the on the side room. Rooms. Yes. Are you, you going to keep that kind of as is? Are you? It looks like a beautiful, beautifully done area. Oh yeah. So if you mean the uh, the tokonoma in the room next door, I'm going to keep all that. The only things I want to do with the uh, the two the zaski rooms, the 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 reception rooms next door, is replace the tatami mats. They don't have. They're not all there and uh, recolor the walls because they're the sort of shade of green that I don't like. I saw the green. It looks very 70s, 80s, maybe. I, I kind of like it in a way because it's so retro. But I, I think I saw a CGI version of mm -hmm. your your building. Did you do that? Is that a computer yes. generated? Yeah. And yes. so you, you're able to kind of uh put your vision kind of into a visual form how are you doing that can you walk us through that i'm using a free software called blender as in a food mixer blender 
and uh, it's a bit of a steep learning curve, and I'm really only dabbling in it. Uh, when I first checked this place out, there was no floor plan available. One of my first priorities was to figure out how all the rooms fitted together in relation to each other. And so that I basically measured things out and drew a, did a mock-up in the computer, and I'm sort of working on refining that. And it's also a way to work out uh, sort of color schemes. And so what I want to do with those two reception rooms is the one of the Tokonoma, I want to have the walls red because that's a traditional uh, color up in, in Kanaza, Bengara. It's used for walls in some high-class establishments, uh, like in the Geisha district, for example. And the other one I want to have as uh, blue, which is also a traditional uh, Kanaza color for interior decoration. If you go to the Seisankaku uh, Villa next to Kenokuen, it was a villa built in the 1860s for the mother of the ruling lord. Upstairs, the room there has got walls with uh, purple and black and red and blue. And so it's quite dramatic. It's quite unlike anything you might think of sort of traditional Japanese design based on like Kyoto style or tea rooms and so on. So, I mean, it's, it's bright, it's bold, but it is very authentically uh, traditional Japanese coloration. Yeah, I love your annotated uh, pictures. You've got a few of them. Um, I love the view of the house with all the rooms and you can see your your kind of vision for how you want every room to look. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, it's really uh, cool software. Oh, it blends, uh, well, it's free, so it's worth the money, but it's, it's certainly a good way to... Uh, plan these things out and another thing you can do is to take photos of the rooms and then put into a, like a photo editing software and just recolor the walls and stuff to see what color would look nice and that's what I did for example with the back passage I took a photo of that and I changed the color of the walls about six or seven different shades before I selected the uh the blue that I have currently used that's really interesting and very cool technology. Uh, one of the rooms, the main room with the irori, around the irori, and I saw that you had one with tatami and one with hardwood floors. And I was like, before I realized it was computer generated, I was thinking, oh my gosh, did he do the tatami and then take it out and put flooring in? Like how expensive <laughs> that must have been. It's nah, really that, uh, realistic looking. <laughs> yes, the, the, the program can do impressive things, but that was when I was, I initially wanted to have hardwood floors in this main room because it's a couple of old houses I've seen in museums that have hardwood floors around the Irori in the main room. But I've also visited a few of the neighbors who have very similar style houses, and they've all got tatami mats in their main room. And apparently that's what was actually used if you, if you could. And so I'm gonna put, that's, so I did mock-up in Blender of one version with hardwood floors, one version with tatami, and I think the tatami just looks so much warmer and brighter, lighter inside. And so a bit that. more, like, comforting instead of... Yes, yeah. it's a place you can sort of relax on. And yeah. Hardwood floor here would get cold in winter. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about the surrounding area because the scenery just looks beautiful. And one of your videos was just cracking me up. You're you're playing Flight of the Bumblebee as you're driving through oh. up to the house. And it's like building the tension as you're driving. I thought that was hilarious. You have to I put think, together a book or something. This is great documentation. Well, that was one of the... Um, I don't want YouTube to frag my videos for copyright infringement. So that was one of the free uh, music clips they let you use. I think it was um, Hall of the Mountain Kink, from memory. But yeah, so I was, I was quite limited in the music I, I could choose. But yes, it's uh, it's quite surprising, really. It's a very rural area. The nearest convenience store is like a 10-minute drive away. I don't think there's a single vending machine in the village. So I mean, it's it's 
rural. It's just gorgeous. Like the natural forest, you can see the diverse trees in the forest. So mm. it's all different colors in autumn. Uh, you've got the view recently, maybe, where the, the rice field is planted. I showed earlier. It's just gorgeous. Uh, Louise Puppy has joined from Auckland, New Zealand. Uh, the travel agent I told you about. So it's great to have you here, Louise, fellow Aucklander. Do you call yourselves Aucklanders? No? Yeah. Yeah? Oh, okay. Great. Um, yeah, so it it's a drive maybe from you where you were living before. Are you now moved in and working on it? It's, it's got a while to go before that. Um, I do have power and water, but I don't have uh, gas, so there's no hot water. And what I'm going to have to do is to, uh, well, the city wants you to, if you have a sewage, a septic tank, the city really wants you to connect up to the sewer system. And there's actually space upstairs for a, a toilet and a sink. And they have got plumbing in there, but the plumbing goes out on the on the back of the house. Now, I think it, they just put out the, the nearest possible wall. And I, so I can't use... I can't put a toilet up there because it's just going to you know, dump everything in the garden. So I'm going to have to get those rerouted re and all the plumbing uh, up to the sewer. And that's going to be a that's going to be a big project. It's going to be one of the one of the big uh, expensive projects, but it's, it's going to have to get done. Yeah. And I mean, the the septic tank is not in good condition, and the yeah. right now the kitchen water and all that they get drained straight out into the into the gutters so it's, it's not ideal yeah there is and there is a small garden outside with a beautiful red momiji tree as well um yes are you planning been, to do any work outside like gardening or growing food oh yes i definitely well i want to get the sort of interior of the house done a bit so i can sort of spend time in the house and then go out and do a bit of gardening and then come in and rest a bit. Uh, the land area is actually, I think it's, it's nearly 900 square meters. Wow. It's quite a big property. Although in this area, it's one of the smaller properties. There's some, there's some large estate, or large land, large sections out here. But uh, yeah, so it's, it's Almost as nearly as big as the house I grew up in in Auckland in terms of land area. Nice. But that's the lovely Which, thing about the old houses sometimes. Like we, we bought an old house too. And one of the things I really like is the first floor and the second floor are the same size. A lot of the mm -hmm. more modern houses get smaller on the second floor, maybe due to stability issues. Um, but it looks like you've got loads of space inside as well. Gorgeous. Oh, yeah. The house area in total is like 336 square meters, which is like 36,000 square, no, no, 3,600 square feet. Wow. Are you going to rent a guest house or is it just all for you? <laughs> uh, well, by the time I finish moving my wife's things across, it's going to be filled up. Yeah, yeah. Because she has got so many things. And what, I'm also, yeah, you found some treasures inside too. I, I love seeing like an old desk. Uh, you found some lacquerware, uh, old uh, lantern, things like that. Anything that surprised you? When I, uh, the sellers said they were going to get rid of all the stuff in, in the house and I could, I was welcome to come over and uh, put aside anything I wanted to keep. So I was able to sort of put aside a few of the uh, good things. And the second floor of the storehouse, the other storehouse, I said, basically, don't touch anything there because you've got these lovely old chests and stuff. And there's probably some good stuff in there. Turned out not really. And the chests are largely empty or full of old futons. But there's some lovely lacquerware up there, like sets of, sets of old lacquerware. So I'm glad I could keep those. But actually, most of the stuff you see here, like this, this screen here, has actually been brought across my wife's parents' place. Because they also have a very old house. It's like uh, built on that major 11 19th century house and it's in bad condition so i'm trying to move as much of the good stuff here so we can do some work on that as well which is going to require probably professionals because it's it's not in good shape yeah but I, but to do that i need to clean it out first and so we are moving some good stuff 
stuff worth keeping over to this house because I've got the room for it here. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Uh, I love how you're you're keeping some of the features. You've got an old rusted kind of harness of some sort. It's at the back. I, I don't know what it is. It's like, like a bear trap or maybe old snowshoes or something. That? But... Yeah, it's a mystery. But somebody, mm. maybe somebody watching knows what it is. If you know what it is, please comment below. Um, but yeah, the... interesting things. Uh, I, I like that sort of uh, just those sort of rusty things hanging around. Yeah. And uh, you've also, oh, you got rid of the plastering and you had to rent like a plaster recycle skip or something. That was interesting. Yes, there's a, a lot of uh, plasterboard that I had to tear down to reveal the uh, original wall behind it. And you can't take plasterboard out to the local dump and just throw it away. It's, it requires special treatment. And so I phoned around a couple of places and there's one place that would rent me a skip for like 55,000 yen, which is not cheap. But plasterboard is expensive to get rid of. I knew that. I mean, and uh, so I managed, I did my very best to make sure I could get as much of the plasterboard in as possible and layering it carefully flat. And I actually have room left over. Good, so good. So all went in. speaking of costs, could you give us a ballpark for how much the house was, how much you're budgeting for remodel? Well, the house, uh, people like to think about Japan as being an expensive place to live with expensive houses. And they look at Tokyo and they maybe they heard stories from the bubble era when people were saying the Imperial Palace is worth roughly California. And those days are long gone. And outside Tokyo, outside the big cities, outside any city, really, prices just go like that. I bought a house that doesn't leak on 900 square meters of land with a garage, with a storehouse, with beam work that would cost millions to do today, 3 million yen, less than 30,000 US. That's amazing. Insane. And this is not even one of the cheaper ones. You can get cheaper houses in Japan. And but and I can get from here, downtown Kanazawa, in half an hour. Wow. So it's it's not that inconvenient either, the location. It, it used to be very inconvenient. I think that's one of the things. Before the, the road was widened over to the, the city, it was quite a narrow twisty road in order to take about twice as long but now it's i can get to the university in 20 minutes wow that's it's, and that's it's five million i'm no, sorry three million yen for the houses like why don't more people come out here and buy houses for this price that's i don't know amazing that is really a great bargain and how much are you budgeting for the remodel do you have a budget in mind no not really i i don't i i literally don't know what things are going to cost I would prefer not to spend more than the house cost. Yeah. So I would, ideally, I would want to keep everything under six million total. That would be a great bargain, wouldn't it? Okay, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Same, especially, I mean, if uh, that Auckland guy is still there, I mean, she'll be able to tell you that house prices in Auckland are insane. Yeah. Median house price in Auckland is now over one million New Zealand dollars. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. It's like Hawaii. I grew up in Hawaii and huh. yeah, real estate is nuts. Um, that is such a great bargain. And of course, such a high quality of life once you buy it and remodel and start living in it and enjoying where you are. Uh, Louise says, yes, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Now, some of the interesting traditional Japanese home things, like the mud walls, is mm -hmm. interesting to see how you're managing that. So are you trying to keep it like with the traditional style, traditional technique as much as possible? And or are you changing to more modern styles? What's what's your strategy for that? Well, there's so far, there's two main rooms that have got mud walls in them that have been exposed. 
One of them is the uh, entrance hall and the other is the kitchen. I think the kitchen needs a cavern because I don't really want to mud walls in the kitchen. So I'm going to seal those, repair the cracks and so on, and then seal them up, seal, and then I'm going to plaster over that. But in the entrance hall, I want to keep the earth walls as much as possible. So I'm going to uh, try and repair them. You can buy uh, sets of uh, you know, mud mixed with straw that you basically just mix with water, and uh, you can use those to repair uh, mud walls, I believe. I've not actually got around to trying that yet. Um, if I was going to be very fancy, what I would do is knock down the mud walls, collect the mud, remix it and reapply it. But that would be a big operation, and I think a little bit beyond my pay grade. Yeah. But I'll, did, so I'll see what I can... I think you did that in one section. You said you took some of the pieces that fell down, you tried to mix it with water and put it back yeah. up. That's what I'm showing now. But you also right. did some beautiful plastering using like a, a blue plaster. In, right, yes, that's yeah. in the back passage. Mm, gorgeous. Uh, instead of going, I was going to go with a, uh, a light blue. That's where I did my uh, different, you know, sort of, sort of photoshopping different colors on it to see what looked nicer. And I thought the light blue worked well with the, the reddish wood and because it's open to the outside with the sliding doors and so on. But instead of going just a plain blue, I mixed in a bit of white as well to give it a sort of, sort of cloudy sky effect. Well, it was my first time plastering, so it's not as smooth as it could be, but this, I'll call that texture. Yeah. I'll, I'll pretend it was deliberate. <laughs> plastering <laughs> was one of the things that I managed to do uh, in terms of DIY remodeling our place. And I really enjoyed it, you know, if using natural plaster. If you kind of mess up, it's not really messing up because it gives texture and it looks nice, right? I, <laughs> yes, I love yes. it. You've done a great job. Yeah, well done. Yes, although I did all that in one day and I think that was a bit too ambitious because by the end of it, I was going to... Yeah. It's hard when you're... It really is an arm workout. Have you noticed some muscles popping up from all your hard work? <laughs> I've noticed a, getting a... a, a Saw right hand from all the uh, hammering and sawing and all that. But what a, what a great story, though, when it's finished to be able to show your guests around and say all the work that you've done. In fact, I think it's time for you to walk us around and show us some of what you've done. Right, okay. I'll uh, unplug this. There should be enough battery in here. Right. Okay, you got a glaring light there. I think a good place to start would be, well, the rain has actually eased up. So let's just head outside to give you a view of the front of the house. You've done a great job uh, putting stain and restoring some of the wood color. It looks right. gorgeous in there. Mm. We're going to start outside. Great. Yeah. Well, this particular style of house is known as Azimadachi, which means east-facing. Out in this part of the country, the prevailing winds are from the uh, south and west, so the houses are traditionally built facing east to avoid the worst of the weather. And they would come, they would be traditionally surrounded on the uh, windy sides by uh, trees, sort of uh, windbreak trees, known locally as kainyo, which is for, in more normal Japanese, standard Japanese, yashikibayashi. Kainyo is the local uh, uh, dialect for it. And one of the things I was glad to see that this house still had, it still had some of the mature trees. A lot of the houses, a lot of the open, empty houses that I put up for sale have those trees cut down because I presume there's some misguided belief that buyers don't want to deal with big trees. But I, I'm, so I'm very glad that you'll see them around the back, but you can't see them from here. Yeah, I noticed but, that. Two beautiful trees right next to the, the house. It's so unusual. Right at the, yeah, at the back, yes. There's actually three uh, mature trees. Oh, wow. So the, one of the features of the Azimadachi style is the uh, big gabled roof, big front-facing gable. And that was one of the uh, things I wanted to be uh, a bit insistent on. I wanted to have this uh, traditional big gable. It's gorgeous. One of the 
prevailing theories about how this house style developed is that it was inspired by samurai houses. And the late uh, Edo period, early Meiji period, wealthy farmers started copying the styles of the samurai. And it is very, very similar. Yeah. And it, you you showed a picture during winter. So even in winter, it wasn't that cold inside? Was it cold? Yes. Uh, the only time I've, well, I've actually, most of the time I've been in the house in winter, I've been working hard. <laughs> so I've been keeping warm. But uh, it does get cold in winter, but it doesn't get, it seldom drops far below freezing. It's, it's going to be cold, but it's not. It's going to be bearable. Warm coats and thick slippers, <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah. What it does get is it gets a lot of snow. And you're adding insulation as well, which should help, right? Yes, I'm going to. I'm adding insulation where I can, but I'm, I'm not going to be as uh, fast about. If it's a choice between insulation and having a, a good-looking ceiling, I'm going to go for the good-looking ceiling. Yeah. Uh, one of the people in the series was actually adding sheep's wool um, from New Zealand. So maybe you could ask your ask Louise or ask your friends to send some over. <laughs> well, actually, uh, my father, my father's used some of that as well in his, his, his house in New Zealand. It's apparently a very good. One of the uh, another feature of this style of house has got actually got two front doors. We have the uh, normal front door there, and then there's a these open up. These are for guests, apparently. Wow. Guests should be shown to this uh, wider front door. And so they could come in directly into the main room. I love that Ngawa system. That certainly helps with the cold and the heat. But on a nice breezy day, you can open everything up, right? It's fantastic. Yeah, Yes, I don't want to have to put air conditioners in every single room, so I'm hoping to get some nice breezes. Japanese houses have always been traditionally oh, one of the neighbors. Japanese houses have always been traditionally designed for summer, not winter. Let the uh, breezes go through. You do get quite a few breezes out here. It's quite a windy area. Yeah, we this, we have a question from Selena Hoy. Uh, Thanks, Selena. She says, "Is the function of the Engawa for insulation?" It's kind of a social function as well, right? The public part of the house for greeting guests. Yes, uh, this sort of uh, thing here you can see. This would be where uh, you take your shoes off and so you can get up on there. This house doesn't have it, but a lot of houses of the similar style will actually have a ingo um, area, which is like this, half inside it, half half earth or concrete, mm -hmm. which will be used traditionally for doing uh, work that required, that couldn't be done inside, but needed to be undercover like when it was raining and so on. Right, right. Uh, it's, it's a good place for doing some uh, um, construction work or whatever that you don't want to do inside, but you can't do outside because it's wet. Would, and, that, would that also be somewhere that like kids would play in the house if it was rainy or bad weather? in the olden days, perhaps? I I would not think so, no. In yeah. most cases, it would not be large enough. Right. <laughs> Maybe small small children. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, I've not actually ever heard of children playing in uh, Ingalls as a um, habit. Maybe uh, as a custom. outside. Stay outside. Right? Yeah, yeah. get the kids outside here. Yeah. Not so worried about the rain back in those days. So what projects are you working on right now? Are you doing more wood, like staining and preserving the wood or walls? Right now, there's the two areas that I'm working on. Uh, this is the entrance hall. That There used to be uh, a room. You can still see, you can see, make out the where the wall used to be. Uh-huh. And so with a friend's help, we tore that wall down, tore the false ceiling down to expose these original beams. Look at those. Some lovely. Gorgeous. Beamwork. This is like four meters high. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gorgeous. 
this is the plastering I did. So when you f- my first time at plastering, so. when you first did it, it looked very blue, but now it looks more white and like a tinge of blue. It's gorgeous. Mm, it's mostly blue mixed with a bit of white. Mm-hmm. I initially started out by putting a blue base on like here and then adding white at the top. Okay. But I decided it would still work better if I added the white to the pasta, mixed it in, and then uh, did it. Were you were you mixing two different plasters or plaster yes. and paint? Yeah. No, no, no. Two different plasters. One a blue. It was my first time ever, so I went with premixes. A blue premix and a white premix. Yeah, I I found a good company in Japan as well that sent you in a box a premix. I I'm I have lots of respect for people who mix it from the dry. That seems like a an extra bit of complexity. I didn't want to risk. <laughs> I've been seeing videos on doing it, and it uh, seems not as long as you actually make sure to mix all the all the powder into it and get lumps of unmixed powder in your plaster. It's apparently a a lot cheaper. This is what I'm also currently working on. There was a a ceiling and a sort of low ceiling in this, and I removed just with those with that black uh, coating. As I removed that to expose this beam here, uh-huh. but what I did with this beam was, was it just a dirty old beam, so I sanded it down and then used uh, traditional stains, Bengara and Kakishibu stains to give it this nice color. Nice, I like that. Uh, it's Bengara is uh, iron oxide powder. I bought red and black and I mixed it about a 30% red, 70% black, and I used this, the Kakishibu stuff as the binder. And then I gave it two coats of that, and then a final coat of just pure kakishibu. Gave it a sort of nice gloss, actually. Got a bit of um, a satin gloss to it. So it's come out quite nicely. And the rest of the wood in this room. Uh, yeah, when I was watching yeah. you apply the stain, and I on the video, and I was thinking, your brush is so small; it's going to take you ages. <laughs> you need a bigger brush. <laughs> it's not actually; it doesn't take that long. Actually, it's not. It's not that much to do. You did no, a great job. Like, it's gorgeous. And your your edging is so clean. Uh, you did a really great job covering it up before plastering and stuff. Good job. Ah, yes, um, yes, I'm asking table. <laughs> yeah, that takes so much time to prepare, but it's so worth it after. Yeah, if you don't mask it off, you get problems afterwards. Yeah. I just put that on a few days ago. Uh, I When I took down the ceiling, I found a lot of space up there that's above the uh on the household altar in the other room, so it's... And turn that into storage. Yeah, that's a great storage space. Or you could even make it into a little loft bed if you have lots of guests. <laughs> it's actually a probably if you wake up in the middle of the night, you're gonna whack your head on the ceiling. Yeah, yeah. For kids, maybe Not kids, really, but... kids could do it. Mm. <laughs> the first apartment yeah. I ever I rented that. in Japan had a loft bed, and I thought it was lovely. Huh. Yeah kept your bed tucked away. I love the uh, grain on this beam going across there, so I didn't use kakishibu on that. That's just plain old uh, uh, linseed oil. Yeah, gorgeous. Oil, linseed oil, just to bring out the grain. I have a picture of the, the wood grain. You've got so many gorgeous big beams with beautiful wood grain. Really nice feature of the house. Yeah, I love these old beams that they have in these houses. Here in this room, this is a little small room. This is this room was traditionally known as the uh, the Shainamat. The it was the room where when you had a the local priest would come around to conduct rites in the in front of the Buddhist altar next door. He would wait in this room. You'll be you'll be shown to this room here to wait until the ceremony started in traditional uh, houses of this style. The floor here was rather dodgy, so I had to take it up, ended up replacing the joist, and put down a new floor. 
Wow. My first time putting down a floor. Yeah. But thanks to our YouTube videos, I wasn't as completely terrified as I would be normally ripping up a floor. You're, it's actually surprisingly easy. Your annotated uh, floor pictures were cracking me up. Uh, found some wood and hammered it in just to support the joist. So you were showing the underneath of the house and adding the support beams. Did you have any right. any trouble like putting in support beams? Not really, no. Actually, it worked, it, it worked rather smoothly. I mean, I even tried, I even cut uh, like U-shaped things and that for the joist to sit in. But... Um, no, it um, came out quite nicely. It, um, it, this is just the underfloor. I need a, a proper floor over the top of it. But before that, I need to redo the ceiling and uh, put something on the walls. Uh, yeah, in your cool. in your notes, you said the skirting is held on by tabs and grooves, not nails. So even in yes, the floor cool. area, it was all fitted together, was it? I'll show you. I think I... Can you see it here? The, yeah. There's a yeah, yeah. there. And on the other side, excuse the bumps, there's a there's a little hole there. Yeah. So one side it goes in the hole and the other end uh, slips over the top of this little um, bit sticking out. Right. Quite a neat system. Yeah, very good. So I was quite happy about that. I didn't have to undo anything. I didn't have to rip anything out. Yeah, that's nice. But, so I'm sort of working on two or three rooms at, at once, as it turns out. But um, bit, a bit on one room, a bit on the other room, a bit on the next room. But I really need to work out what I want to do in terms of a decoration style for these rooms. Yeah. I don't want to just sort of cover it in standard white plaster. You and this is actually the room. In your CGI that, picture you had a lot of different colours on the walls. Are you still thinking yeah. of doing that? The Kanazawa style? Yes, I mean I, I like that. Um but there's this, a, a lot of people sort of give have this impression of Japanese design, Japanese style, especially architectural interior design as being earth tones, muted greens and browns and so on. But that's not necessarily the case for everyone. For example, if you take the uh, Katsuriku detached villa, the imperial villa in Kyoto, there's a tea house there that has walls. I mean, it's 400 years old, so they're a little bit faded now, but the walls were originally bright orange. And this is a tea house for a member of the imperial family. Um, Ichiriki, the very famous tea uh, geisha house in Kyoto, has got red walls. The Seisan Kakubula I mentioned earlier was built for the mother of the Lord of Kanazawa. Uh, gorgeous coloration. Nikko Toshoku, the Toshoku Shrine, the, the buildings there, the painlessly brilliantly colored. So there's a definitely a tradition of bright colors in Japanese design, even kimonos. But I do want to sort of... Can you show us those those decorative wooden beams at the top? What are they? Ranma? Renma? Yes. Ranma. Ranma, right. They're gorgeous. Is that original? That's, uh, well, yes, it came with a house. I don't, this... I don't actually know the age of these rooms. I think they might have been remodeled at some stage in the past. But the uh, ceiling's nicely lacquered and all that, so I'm going to keep these. But, yeah, these are Dhamma, uh, quite nicely done. Yeah, beautiful. There's a, a town not too far from here, Inami, which is famous for its wood carving. So it's possible that these were carved there. I, I don't know. But this is the room with the... Tokonoma, the inner reception room. Mm -hmm. uh, what's interesting about a lot of these uh, Azumadachi houses is that they have a small Tokonoma 
-hmm. in a large closet because that's designed to house the Buddhist altar. Oh. And this is one of the things I'm very glad I was able to leave in the house. Wow, it's a really big one, a big altar. Indeed. That's why I need to shift the screen out of the way. So, yeah, that's wow, look at quite that. A, Is it Butsudan? Is that right? Yeah, that's a huge uh, Kanazawa style Butsudan. Here, the local style for the uh, Buddhist altars is to cover them in as much gold as possible. Wow. Look at that. That's beautiful. <laughs> it's, a, it's like a mini shrine inside your house. It is. It's not that many either. I mean, <laughs> that many. it's taller than I am. Wow. But that, that takes up all the room that in a, a lot of other styles of houses would be, have the uh, tokonoma would be much wider. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking the tokonoma seemed a little bit narrow, but that's why. Yeah. yeah normally, you'd have a, the tokonoma there, you'd have the staggered shelves to the side. But here, in these styles of houses, the tokonoma and then the butsudan, that's the most important uh, part of the room. So, uh, Jeremy, we only have a few more minutes. Is there anything else you want right. to show us? Um, let me see. Actually, was, um, one of the selling points of the house, house for me is that well, my wife is not very keen on the idea of living or spending too much time in an old house. And I mentioned earlier that in 94 they uh, remodeled the attic level. And so. It now has huge space upstairs, very modern, 1990s, mid-90s. So it's nice and clean, modern floors, big rooms. Nice natural light up there, lots of windows. Yeah. And oh, I love that view. Is that from your desk? <clears throat> Oh, this, this, this was actually a gift from a friend. He, he didn't, it was a bit too big. He didn't want it in his place, so brought it around. Yeah, that I works. I don't know it's going to It works well. Nice old yeah. Gorgeous view of the mountains. Yeah. If the weather was better, we could actually see Tatayama from the windows. Yeah, it's not too bad. Uh, sorry, Luis is asking again, how old is the house? You said 70 years old, right? Yeah, I can hear you breaking. So in a couple of... So this will be a good place to... Like, for example, if my father comes to stay, he can sleep yeah. up there. Because he's not so good at the tatami mats and all that. Yeah. And I want to be able to just sit up here and relax and enjoy the view. Oh, gorgeous. Did you say that's wheat fields? outside yeah, house out there is a lovely one yeah that house out there oh that is it? gorgeous yeah across the fields yeah so louise um, it's it's not so old really right 70 years old um yes it's, it's, and you said it's it is, uh, it's had some renovation work done um but the original beams and stuff looked a bit older it's actually uh, looking at the wood in here i'm I'm absolutely sure that there was a house that stood here earlier and that many of the timbers have been recycled. I mean, a lot of the timbers in here, I can't tell this because it's covered and protected. It's laughing, but this timber here is clearly quite old. Yeah. It looks a lot older, for example, than the pillar next to it. Yeah. So there it's might have been an older house and it was kind of extended or built on 70 years taken ago maybe down. yeah or taken down and reused parts of it yeah the, the earthen storehouse on the property dates from meiji 30 the late late 19th century 
Okay. So I think that would have been the house here had been first built and then sort of taken down and rebuilt in 1952. Because the paperwork actually said the house was originally thatched. And although they were still thatching houses in the 1950s, it was very much the tail end of that thing. So, I mean, I don't really know, actually. Yeah. The main thing is, the main thing for me is that it is the full traditional style, the design, everything that is. Uh, now, one thing that a, a Japanese carpenter, John Stolenmeyer, who I visited in Okayama recently, he said usually ah. in the roof or in the oldest part of the house, there's usually a wooden beam where they have everything written when it was built, yes. who worked on it and everything. Have you found anything like that? Yes, you're talking about the moon of that? Yeah. It definitely should be there in the attic, but uh, accessing it is going to be difficult. Yeah, yeah, because I'm sure. A, there, is a, there is an access hatch, but I don't really want to go crawling around on the uh, new ceilings in case they don't support my weight. Yeah. But maybe someday, if you discover it, you can unlock all these mysteries about definitely, the house. I'll definitely see <laughs> if, there is, uh, if there are more details about that, because... Paperwork is always slightly unreliable. Yeah. It depends more on what people report and when they report it rather than when it was actually built. Yeah. But how wonderful for someone who has studied so much of Japanese history to live in a, a house connected to so much Japanese history. It's wonderful. Yeah. I've been, I've been wanting a traditional house for years now. And I've been scouring the Akia Bank listings in various parts of the, uh, the local area, you know, for years, and dismissed pretty much everything I saw because it was either too expensive or too far away. You know, I've got visions of buying the perfect Edo period farmhouse that's two hours drive away, and thinking, oh, that's a four-hour round trip. I can't be bothered going there today. <laughs> and it's. it's the fact that this is like half an hour from downtown, 20 minutes to work, it's, I mean, from here to work, there's one stop light and one stop sign, and that's it. It's a beautiful uh, drive. Yeah. So, I mean, that's even great. If, and you've got a gorgeous car. Is it an a, a old Jaguar that you've named Lady oh. Lady Mary, is it? <laughs> yes. Um, uh, Louise, bought... Louise is asking how long you've been in Japan, Jeremy. Um, was it this year? About thirty years. Thirty years. Yeah, I'm. I'm very close to that myself. What a gorgeous car! Look at that. Is it an old Jaguar? That's a Jaguar XJS. Yes. Nice. Two doors, V the V twelve version because you might as well go, go for broke. So you've got a very that, yeah, that's that's a beautiful car to cruise. Classic car next to a classic house. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> I do um, sort of the well, sort of the dream car and the dream house, I suppose. They go well together, I think. Uh, I think so. Very nice. Well, thank you so much for sharing your house and your project with us, Jeremy. Maybe we can um, no, re no reconnect in a few months' time when everything's done. <laughs> oh, it's not going to be a few months' yeah. time. <laughs> how, how long do you think your project will last? About a year? I'm hoping to get it. What I would like to do is to be able to have my father come to visit next May, once the corona thing has died down enough that travel as possible and so I, I want to have people coming be able to come visit from about May next year so I've got one year from now which should be enough because structurally it's fine I mean there's a I'm really sort of it's just decoration the interior decoration I'm working on this some wiring work and stuff because of the changes I've made but nothing like no major rebuilding at least so far, there's none needed. I hope there won't be any needed. Yeah. Well, I, I love what you're doing. I love the balance of the original design, some of the original antiques with the new modern look. 
it's such a unique house in so many ways and uh, it's so exciting to watch your progress with you thank you so much thank you thank you for having interest I mean uh, it's it's a labor of love very much Sarah for sure it, it has to be really well, I, I hope I can come visit you someday when it's all done. Oh, <laughs> yes. I definitely would love to show you. That'd yeah. be great. That'd be great. Well, thank you, everybody, for watching today. And have a great thank weekend. You. And we'll, we'll see you for more talks next week. Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks, Jeremy. Bye. Thank you for listening to us. Thanks for joining today. What was your favorite part? Why don't you write a question or comment below and I'll reply or I'll get the guests to reply as well. I always appreciate the comments and questions. So if you have anything to say, make sure you write it below. I'd love to hear from you. Have a great day. Take care.